As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. What's up? Welcome into another episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Michael Beller, Brandon Funston, Jake Seeley here with you on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. We are going to get into some debates, went through all three of our individual rankings and found some spots where we differ on a couple of players, not necessarily disliking the player that we're going to argue against, but just liking the player who we are going to argue on behalf of a little bit more. Got us pitted against each of one another, so we're going to get into some fun here. We're going to help you maybe make some of these decisions that you could be facing on draft day. And uh, Jake Seeley, I mean, this is sort of what draft uh, what draft day is all about, right? Making those tough decisions where you like this player, you like that player. Ultimately, you can't pick both. You got to pick one. This is, you know, what we sort of get into on draft day. Yeah, it's just who you trust more. So uh, everybody can just listen to me and be done with the show, right? Oh, my God. You hear this guy, Funston. I guess we should expect nothing less than that right there. I don't expect anything less than that. Yeah. <laughs> it's good, though, right? I mean, we want to be confident. We want to be confident in the way we think and in the way we rank our players. So, yeah, I like it. I, it's a little, it's got a little bit of hubris, but it's good. Hubris, hubris can be good every now and again. Don't always listen to the Greeks, you know? <laughs> they don't always know what they're talking about. They often know what they're talking about, but hubris sometimes can be good. It can lead us in the right direction on fantasy football draft day. Let's let's dive right in, guys. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to so Funston, uh, yeah, I, I was trying to think about trying to think through uh what would be a good timing for these debates cuz we're trying to try to make them really feel like debates. And I was trying to just think in my mind, I don't know, like 1 minute, 90 seconds, what's the right way to do it? Uh, so what we're going to do is person A in a debate is going to have a couple of minutes to make their uh to make their argument. I'll have a little uh chime noise here so if you hear this, that means you've run out of time. Uh, and then person B has the rebuttal, and then person B, importantly, asks a question to person A, which person A answers, asks a question back to person B, person C, the person not involved in the debate, will give their two cents, and maybe, if they feel it's warranted, pick a winner. So that's how we're going to do things. It's not quite Lincoln-Douglas, but I want to say it's just a step down from Lincoln and Douglas, uh, the debates that we are going to be engaging in here on the Athletic Fantasy. Wow, no, no, not even a courtesy laugh for that, you guys? <laughs> Unbelievable. 
I'm going to say I'm going to say I was too locked into all these rules that we have to abide by. I'm just <laughs> I'm trying to. <laughs> I'm sending both you guys a copy of uh, this book I have on the Lincoln Douglas debates. Uh, and so then I expect a, a book report on that uh, somewhere before week one of the NFL season. But we can save that for then. Let's get into our first debate on this episode of TAFFP. This is going to be Jake versus Funston. Aaron Rodgers, Jake versus Dak Prescott. Funston, Jake, why don't you take this one away first? Why is Aaron Rodgers a better quarterback pick this season than Dak Prescott? Because he's already been a better quarterback pick, first of all. Uh, second of all, the fact that Dak Prescott is, we're sitting here and arguing against Aaron Rodgers for losing Devontae Adams and not acting like Dak Prescott doesn't have a ton of questions himself with no more Amari Cooper. We don't know if Michael Gallup's ready for week one, and even if he is, we're expected to replicate what Cooper was doing. From a fantasy standpoint, obviously different wide receivers, but the addition of James Washington is supposed to be the better three versus he or Tolbert is supposed to be better than what Gallup was producing as the three. So it comes down to also, what has Dak been? He's not running as much as he was, and he wasn't even running that much to begin with. He was running for 300-something yards. He just happened to find the end zone five times every single – or six times, whatever it was, every single year. Just not a high rusher. You look at this offense, more of a run balance than a lot of teams, and just he's not as efficient as Aaron Rodgers. If you want to take Dak later, I have no problem, but I don't like the fact that they're going back-to-back. I think Aaron Rodgers has proven that, you know – he can do the numbers with or without Devontae Adams. It's not a huge drop-off. People have referenced those numbers all offseason and the fact that his numbers have been pretty good without Devontae Adams on the field. And so unless this is complete decimation by as in like nobody's good at wide receiver, I just don't see how Aaron Rodgers falls behind Dak Prescott because it's also going back to the same argument I keep making time and time and time and time again for Cooper Cup is what I'll make for Aaron Rodgers. You chop off 10, 15% of his production, and now he's neck and neck with Dak Prescott. And we're really dropping that much off for the loss of Devontae Adams. I'm just not going to go there. Uh, all right. So, I mean, recency by, uh, let's just look at recency. Uh, 2019, 2020, and 2021. 2019, Dak Prescott had a better per game fantasy average than Aaron Rodgers. Same with 2020. Dak was on an epic run before he had the leg injury after the five games and then last year they basically played even uh with the differentiating factor being the Aaron Rodgers rushed for three touchdowns but they they threw the same amount of touchdown passes uh were similar in all other ways except for Rodgers rushed for three rushing touchdowns Dak rushed for one um and now we've seen Mike McCarthy say that in, in Dak, you know, throwing out the narrative, I'm in the best shape of my life. McCarthy saying they held him back in the running game last year. And what we got was about half the rushing yards you normally get out of Dak. And he's, you know, he had six rushing touchdowns his first three years, three of the following two years, and then one last year. I think we can settle in that if he's back to somewhat normalcy with that leg, truly in the best shape of his life, we are going to see those rushing numbers bump up. And I, frankly, the eye test, I thought Dak looked terrible last year coming off of the leg injury, and it still kind of wowed me. He ended up with 37 touchdowns, uh, you know, mid 4,000 yards. And I just think that with C.D. Lamb, with Dalton Schultz, with Tony Pollard, there's a bunch of weapons in the passing game that that we feel good about, whereas, like, I don't know, outside of Aaron Jones, there's anybody you can feel good about in that passing game. In addition to the fact that he's had this awesome chemistry with Devontae Adams and that goes away. Uh, MVS is gone. Robert Tunyon has the ACL injury. So now you're, you're literally relying on Alan Lazard to be the, 
the go-to guy or Christian Watson, who is a, a raw rookie from a lower level of competition. I, I just, man, I would like, since they were basically even last year, uh, what's happened in the offseason, I, I would lean into Dak Prescott getting healthier where Aaron Rodgers is a year older with a, a lot more of a depleted, um, you know, surrounding cast. It's fun, and I take it then that your question, don't forget about your question, is is it like what is Rodgers, how does Rodgers fill in around himself with the, the weapons that he no longer has? Yeah, well, so my question is like when you were doing your projections Jake and you had Rodgers for another 37 touchdowns I mean you literally had to give touchdowns to everybody up and down the depth chart and like you know Alan Lazard gets to eight touchdowns in your projections only I believe 16 receivers had eight touchdowns last year you have Tunyon who is you know not a bet to play week one with five I think there was only 12 tight ends with five touchdowns you have like sixth and seventh receivers on Green Bay scoring touchdowns like you have to kind of admit you're you're to get to 37. The stars have to align pretty well for Aaron Rodgers. No, I have to admit the stars have to align pretty well just for Dak Prescott as well. Just to get to the 33, I have him for which I'm giving Gallup seven and a rookie four and James Washington two, which would probably be a record for James Washington. So that's what it comes down to is. It, there's no differing argument between the two of them. We're all sitting here making assumptions for both these quarterbacks to say they're going to make up for the losses. One is one player. One is a lot more questions, in my opinion. I think Dak Prescott has a hell of a lot more opinions or uh, uh, problems that we're assuming for here. And the thought of, yeah, we've heard how many times before, oh, he's going to run more, he's going to run more, he's going to run more. But even two years ago, in 2019, he didn't run that much and ran for not even 300 yards and three touchdowns. So it comes down to, do you really throw the question, as he said, throw the question back. You going to tell me Dak Prescott's going to run for five or six touchdowns? Fine, I'll agree with you. But if that's what you're saying, because unless that's what you're saying, I don't see how there's any world where you referenced last year, you know, he was better, Aaron Rodgers was better on a full point per game. Point, like a full play per game. And again, like we're talking quarterback here, so we're talking about a very small margin between mm-hmm. QB 7, 8, 9, and 12, 11, 13, or 11, I can't even do my numbers correctly, 11, 12, 13. <laughs> uh, but, but what it comes down to is, like I said, my only question come back to is like we're both, and I'm somewhat positive on Dak, 4,600 yards and 33 touchdowns, assuming mm-hmm. Gallup, Tolbert, like I just said, I'm making the same assumptions that Tolbert is going to be relevant as a rookie. So the question comes down to the only the only part where I'll really strongly sit here and dig in my heels against you is tell me how Dak Prescott gets more than 200 rushing yards and more than 200 or two rushing touchdowns because that's what I have him for. Well, I mean, he had 146 last year coming off the injury. I mean, he was every season that he was healthy before that, he was right around 300. So 200 is just a reasonable bump up from – 146 or whatever he no, had last year. How to get more? So how does he get back to 305 or six? I just don't see that happening. Oh, how does he get? I mean, if he truly is in the best shape of his life, and Mike McCarthy <laughs> truly is going to say that, then look at. I mean, Bullshit. that's <laughs> every offseason. But, but what I'm, but what I'm saying, what I, the biggest crux for me is you have Aaron Rodgers repeating his 37 touchdowns from last 36. year, despite the fact that. 36, despite the fact that Devontae Adams had a third of them and is gone, and MVS had some, and he's gone. And where I'm seeing, like, okay, how do, you have a downgrade on Dak Prescott in touchdown passes with Amari By Cooper four. being it's gone. It's one versus four. It's not a huge gap. Yeah, but but you lose 12 from Devontae Adams. You lose eight from Amari Cooper. And I see CeeDee Lamb, who had six last year, 
easily being able to absorb a big chunk of Amari Cooper's. I just don't know where you're getting absorption of that level with Devontae <laughs> Adams. So, so like, what you're telling that's me? My, my issue. You're, wait, 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 you're I, telling look at, me? There's oh Dalton Schultz and look there's Ceedee Lamb. Great. There's like this nobody. <laughs> For everybody out there, if you're listening, if you're telling me so, CD Lamb's going to catch 20 touchdowns and everybody's going to step up for the Cowboys, but nobody's going to step up for the Packers. What I'm saying is, <laughs> CD Lamb could go from six touchdowns to 12, and that takes up that takes up six of Amari Cooper's. Then draft CD Lamb at wide receiver four. We, we are drafting him at wide receiver six, so we are drafting him like he's going to score 10 touchdowns at least. That's that's where we're at with CD Lamb. We're 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 at wide receiver thirty. You're at wide receiver thirty nine on Lazard. He's their number one target. Get out! I mean, this is this is beautiful, you guys. I, first of all, this is this is more than I could have hoped for when I was putting all this together. <laughs> this is excellent. Um, I'm not going to weigh in too much because I think you guys nailed everything. And for the for the record, I do have Dak one spot ahead of Rogers. So I, I mean, I, we're we're splitting hairs on this one certainly. But like we said to start the show. You have to make these decisions at some point. At some point, you're going to be make. Someone's going to be faced with this decision. It doesn't mean they don't like Rodgers. They don't like Dak if they go in the other direction. We'll let you guys out there decide if Funston or Jake is the winner of that debate. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Debate number two for this episode. This is going to be me and Jake. Jake, you're going to argue on behalf of Derrick Henry, and I am going to take the side of Joe Mixon. Jake, you can take this one first. Let's hear for Henry over Mixon. Uh, well, if we just look at last year and just do a points per game basis, Jonathan Taylor didn't even do what Derrick Henry did. Uh, Derrick Henry was 22.3, 1.3 more fantasy points per game than Jonathan Taylor who had 18 touchdowns and 1,800 yards just on the ground last year. Well, that's because Derrick Henry had 910 in his eight games played. The only argument out there that I could see for anybody against Derrick Henry is the same argument we'd have against Christian McCaffrey. Derrick Henry's in conversation to be the number one running back. And I would say, if you told me 17 games of Derrick Henry versus 17 games of Jonathan Taylor... I'll open up the floor to an argument of Derrick Henry over Jonathan Taylor. The only reason people aren't taking Derrick Henry number one is because they're worried about the wear and tear. But what I keep saying on Derrick Henry's wear and tear is people forget that the first two seasons, there really wasn't any wear and tear because he was used in a timeshare with DeMarco Murray and Deion Lewis, as we referenced a few weeks ago. So it comes down to if you want to play the injury card, Fine. But I I even Mm -hmm. joked about that. I said, if you're playing the injury card in Saquon Barkley, then you're doing it with Christian McCaffrey. You're doing it with Derrick Henry. You're doing it with Austin Eckler. You're doing it with everybody who's had injury Almost every running back. And that's the thing. So the only way I could see Joe Mixon here is that if you think there's going to be a step forward in this offense for him in the red zone, he already had almost 300 carries last year and had 13 rushing touchdowns. Like, 
Where's where's the where's the room for him to get over Derrick Henry and that offense? Unless again, Derrick Henry gets hurt, which is the only argument I think that you have on your table. You tell me if I'm wrong, <laughs> Beller, but I think the only thing you're going to pull out of your hat is Derrick Henry might not play a full season. I'm really not going to sit here and argue against Derrick Henry. This is going to be really a pro mixing case for me across the board. Okay. I said this a few episodes ago. I think it maybe it was our AFC North episode uh, where I I said that I think that after Jonathan Taylor that uh, Joe Mixon is the safest running back who we're taking as a comfortable, no doubt about it, running back one. I think Najee Harris is in that discussion too, but just pure, safe, no doubt about it, you're getting an RB1. I think Joe Mixon is right there. I think it's him, Taylor, and Najee Harris. You look at what he did last season, 292 carries, 48 targets, 340 opportunities. That was third in the NFL behind Taylor and Harris. It was fifth in per-game opportunities. You can throw Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook ahead of Joe Mixon for per-game opportunities, but that's it. He is right there. And there's no reason to think that's going to change for him this season. There's no meaningful running back competition in this backfield. They did not add anyone to this backfield mix. So sure, maybe he's going to cede some third down looks to Samaje P. Ryan, but that's really all you're talking about uh, for Joe Mixon in terms of giving up meaningful opportunities. Other than that, it's going to be all him all the time. He had the 1,200 rushing yards last year. He had the 300 receiving yards, 16 touchdowns, 13 on the ground three through the air. This Bengals team added some important offensive line help, Lel Collins, Alex Kappa, and Ted Karras. And for me, what ultimately changes things for Joe Mixon a little bit is that this Bengals team's looking at a, a win over under of 10. They're already favored in 10 of their games on the look ahead line. They're in pick em games twice, and they're a more than a three-point underdog just one time. They're three-and-a-half-point underdogs at Tampa on the look-ahead line right now. And, and so what that tells me is this is a team that is going to play way more winning games than it did last year, way more blowout games than it did last year. And I think that could drive Joe Mixon to even more usage and more opportunity this year than he had a season ago. So for me, that's really what pushes Joe Mixon a little bit ahead of Derrick Henry here. My question to you, Jake, is the flip side of this. I personally worry about the Titans maybe falling off something of a cliff this season and not being as competitive as they've been the last few years. I take it you don't worry about that, but that's my question. Do you worry about that? And I'm smiling because you walked into a trap. If you go ah, to no! or a running back correlation <laughs> article, which I came out today on The Athletic, the correlation of a team wins percentage versus the running back success for fantasy is .003, which is 100% irrelevant, means nothing to what the running back should do. So I'm going to look at Derrick Henry essentially is one of how many three four running backs we can guarantee to hover around 20 carries not touches 20 carries per mm -hmm. game and I'm just going to bank on that who's also the clear favorite on a touchdown per touch base so I get the Joe Mixon fandom I love some Joe Mixon Joe Mixon's mm -hmm. inside my top six seven range so I love him sure. but there's no way on earth that he comes into the Derrick Henry conversation for me be sure to check out that column that Jake uh, is referencing. If you are an athletic subscriber, it's a great column. The stats that actually matter for running back fantasy performance. There's so many stats out there. Some have correlation. Some do not have correlation. Be sure to check that out. I, I mean, I'll go back to what you said, Jake, uh, as a potential question uh, when you're first thought on Derrick Henry. Like, I I'm really not going to. I'm not going to play the injury the injury game. Uh, I don't think anyone should ever play the injury-prone game. I think you need a lot of the same injury to want to play that. And it, it's just 
I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to try to base the way I'm drafting players on the idea of, oh, he might miss this game here or that game here or the mileage is starting to tick up. There's so many unknowns. So many guys get fluke injuries. Say, look at Saquon Barkley's a great example of that. A guy who tore his ACL because he happened to step on a yard marker. Like, there's no way to, there, there are very few ways to reliably predict injury. So I'm not playing that game. I think that these guys are very close to one another. Mixon's activity in the passing game, plus the fact that I just expect the Bengals to be a better team than, than Tennessee, to play in more blowout wins than Tennessee, and to be potentially the best offense, the most productive offense in the NFL. You add that all up, and for me, that pushes Mixon ahead of Derrick Henry. Funston, you want to chime in here before we move on to debate number three? Yeah, I've kind of soured. Uh, soured's the wrong word, but I've moved Derrick Henry down. He's sixth at my running back spot, uh, and Joe Mixon is five. I I, I agree they're going to probably have similar amount of touches, but Joe Mixon's going to get more receptions, which are more valuable in fantasy. Um, and look, at Derrick Henry's playing his 28 age 28 season coming off his first big injury like delivering rb1 rb2 rb3 returns at age 28 in a team that you know pff ranked their offensive line 27th in the league you got aj brown now in philadelphia a team that's lived off of play action threat a lot ryan Tannehill has has a lot of credit owed to the fact that you know, he can do the play action to Derrick Henry and then A.J. Brown, but A.J. Brown's not there anymore. So Robert Woods is not nearly the threat uh, to keep defenses on. So I just think Derrick Henry is going to be great. I think mm-hmm. top six great, but uh, I want the younger guy by like three full years who is going to get similar amount of touches, but in a much more ascending offense. And uh, I would I would lean Joe Mixon. You guys are all both off your damn rocker. It was five and a- <laughs> It was a five and a half point per game difference for his career high in Joe Mixon last year, whose career mm-hmm. high is still three and a half points lower than Derrick Henry's career low. Funston, did you know there's that just, players just never no get way better? He's gonna, players he's not never gonna, get better. You know that, that they, players are just, just not going to repeat those numbers. <laughs> he's go, over a he's whole going to close a three and a half point gap off his career high to Derrick Henry's career low. <laughs> no player in the history of sports has ever gotten better from one year to the next. I had no idea. <laughs> so, it's, and Derrick Henry can only go down, and Joe Mixon can only go up. You guys are off your bleeping rockers. Off of last year, yes, I will say Derrick Henry will only go down off of last year. If he year's goes down three numbers. points, he's still three points per game ahead of Joe Mixon's career best, which we just saw. And Joe Mixon gets has a little changed. bit better, and Cincinnati has gets changed. a little bit better. So he has to. Get, yeah. So you, okay, so that, let me just make this clear. I want to. He Joe Mixon <laughs> is going to make up a six point per game gap this year. It's and not about that. It's it's like Joe Mixon can get a little bit better. I don't think Mixon has to get better. I think Derrick Henry's going to that, not be able to return. Like Joe, there's going to be a six point per game closed gap this year. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you guys are effing yes. nuts. Man, debate shows. Debate shows are the. Oh my god! See, Lincoln and Douglas wish they could have done this. The book's already in the mail, guys. So get ready for it. One more debate on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. This one will be me and Funston Jake. I know you like to, you know, go look at other things when you're not, you know, center stage, but you do have to chime in. So just pay. pay no, at least you're both effing nuts and wrong on whatever it is. I'm just telling you right now. It's like I need to hear the arguments. Here we go. It is. 
Uh, wide receiver. We've done a quarterback. We've done a running back. We're going to wide receiver. Funston, you are going to argue on behalf of Jalen Waddell. And I will take a position that I didn't necessarily expect to take, but I'm going to take it in this one. It's Terry McLaurin. So Jalen Waddell versus Terry McLaurin. Let's hear the argument, Funston, for Jalen Waddell as the receiver to take between these uh, two. You've, let's, why don't you go first? I've already gone first on one. Jake's gone first. You haven't That's gone first on one. So, um, all so right. You, Have you, I don't think you've gone. You haven't gone first on one. Jake went first on Aaron Rodgers versus Prescott, and Jake went first on Henry oh, yeah, versus Nixon. Neither no, of us gone. Look at Foster. Right. Right. So he's lying. <laughs> I'll go like first, though. First. You know what? Okay. You want to call me out? Now I'll you can't go trust first. anything. I think, <laughs> I, think, I think Terry McLaurin is getting uh, a little bit dinged for falling short of what were maybe unrealistic expectations a season ago. I think a lot of fantasy managers would be surprised to go look at Terry McLaurin's numbers and see 77 grabs, 1,053 yards, and five touchdowns. It's not what we expected. We thought we were going to get maybe a breakout off of the 2020 campaign pain or at least a you know step up from it and it was essentially from just pure fantasy production a carbon copy but it's still a damn good season 77 for 1053 and 5 when you're talking about Taylor Heineke being his quarterback the entire season you go back to 2020 87 11 18 and 4 with Dwayne Haskins Kyle Allen and Alex Smith I mean you know this is a guy who has not really ever played with a, a consistent quarterback or with a high level quarterback, and that's going to be the same this season. Uh, but Funston, you made this uh, you made this point a couple of weeks ago, and I hadn't really thought of it because I was just like sort of stuck in Carson Wentz malaise, and Carson Wentz is meh, but he's fine. He's he's no worse than any of the quarterbacks that you know uh, Terry McLaurin has played with in his career, and uh, I think you can make a pretty good argument that this is actually the best quarterback situation that Terry McLaurin has had in his NFL career. And you'll go back to those numbers that I just rattled off. Like, those are DJ Moore lines. That's exactly what DJ Moore has done three seasons in a row. And we're pushing DJ Moore up to, like, fringe wide receiver one after the Baker Mayfield trade. Like, is Carson Wentz that much worse? Is Carson Wentz even worse than Baker Mayfield? I don't necessarily think so. Look what Michael Pittman did a season ago. 88, 10, 82, and 6. That was with Carson Wentz as his quarterback all season. I think Terry McLaurin's target share is going to be massive. You know, Jahan Dotson, a nice addition for this Washington team, but still Terry McLaurin, the unquestioned, no doubt about it, number one. Jalen Waddell's second fiddle to Tyreek Hill. And so I think we add all this up, and I like Jalen Waddell. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not avoiding Jalen Waddell at all, but I, I see a guy who is an unquestioned number one, who has a fine, obviously not great, but fine quarterback who is going to be the focal point of his team's passing game and is arguably playing with the best quarterback that he's played with in his career, who has put together the seasons that he has put together over the last couple of years. I see something like 80, 10, 50, and 5 as a floor for Terry McLaurin. I will take that over what I'm going to get out of Jalen Waddell. All right, so Jalen Waddell, wide receiver 15 as a rookie, 100 catches, only Anquan Bolden is the only other rookie receiver to do that. Uncommon territory. His The the way in which he gets catches is easy. He was 11th among receivers with 500 snaps in air yards per target. It's it's a very easy pitch and catch with Tua. Um, you know, his athleticism, his ability to, to do stuff after the catch. We know about um, the, the San Francisco contingent comes in uh, to be the coaching staff. So we might see some more Debo Samuel stuff. I think they got two guys in Tyree kill and, and Jalen Waddle who do similar things. And Waddle had 131 targets last year. Devonte Parker goes away. Like, I think it's just going to be Tyreek and Jalen Waddle. And I, I think Jalen Waddle can get to at least 131 targets again. I think him and Tyreek Hill will be very similar. I expect that Waddle should be able to do basically what he did last year. And so I have him ranked, wide receiver 15-16, ahead of Terry McLaurin, who's had three bites at the apple as an 
NFL player, three seasons, 20, 20th in, in 2020 is as high as he's finished. He's been 28th. He's been 25th. Now you mentioned Carson Wentz might be his best quarterback he's ever had. Well, Michael Pittman was wide receiver 18 with Carson Wentz, 129 targets. It's the best by far that any receiver has ever done with Carson Wentz, who never had a top 25 receiver in any of his seasons prior to that. Yeah, Philadelphia had some bad teams, but Carson Wentz, in one season in Indy, they wanted to get rid of him. Why? Because he holds on to the ball too long, tries to make the bigger play, and doesn't throw on time, on target, move the chains enough. So I think where McClure might have some big plays because of that with Carson Wentz, I think he's going to have a problem just being an accumulator because it hasn't really been Carson Wentz's forte. And so uh, I'm, yeah, so, so there you go. That's my, <laughs> that's my argument on Jalen Waddle. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what my question is to you so much, but I guess my question is like, where do you have McLaurin ranked that you think he's going to be ahead of Jalen Waddle? Where do I have McLaurin ranked? I believe so. I'm a I'm a little lower than you. Yeah. So I've got I've got McLaurin as uh, wide receiver 17, and Waddle as wide receiver 19. So very okay. close on the two of them, and that's that's where I'm at. And I guess you know I can take that and just spin it right to my question, and which is why I have Jalen Waddle at wide receiver 19. I think that you will find zero people, yourself included, who are going to have Jalen Waddle as a more productive receiver than Tyreek Hill. So if Jalen Waddle is going to be better than Terry McLaurin, like doesn't Miami's offense sort of have to be a booming offense? And it, it, like, do you believe that Miami can do that? Can support Tyreek Hill where we're taking him plus Jalen Waddle as a top fifteen receiver? Think Miami's offense has that? I think I think the thing here is is that I would not be I would not bat an eyelash if if you told me that Jalen Waddle will outperform Tyreek Hill. I think they're very close, oh, and I haven't okay. ranked. I have him ranked like 12 and 15. And, you know, I just went through, you know, wide receivers that finished two on the same team in the top 16. And it happens like two or three times a year. If you just go back like the last four or five years, it's just fairly consistent. So I think both of them can finish in the, in the top 15 and in a, in a way that Jalen Waddle did last year. It's just, you know, um, you got someone besides Devonte Parker doing Jalen Waddle things on the other side of the field. But like, I think that's possible where Terry McLaurin has been the guy there. And, and you also have to look at Ron Rivera, not exactly a, a, a you know, a stellar history of, of wide receiver production under his regimes either. So, um, so I, yeah, I just, I think that where I'm not slam dunking Tyreek Hill into the top 10 and then having to move Jalen Waddle down because he's cannibalizing some of that production. I think these guys are going to be very closely aligned towards the back end of that top 15 wide receiver class. I mean, the teams that did it last year, Tampa, Tom Brady, Chargers, Justin Herbert, Seattle, Russell Wilson. I mean, it, it takes that level of passing game and that level of quarterback and more often than not to do it. And so I'm just personally, I'm not willing to put well, Miami in that group. Well, just you can go back a little bit farther. There's Kirk Cousins. There's Jared Goff. There, it's not yeah. exactly always a stiller list of quarterbacks. But, yes, last year, if you want to be very selective, that's true. <laughs> it was a pretty nice quarterback. <laughs> uh, Jake, your, uh, your person C word to uh, wrap us up here on this Waddle versus McLaurin debate. Yeah, it's actually Team Waddle. Uh, really, what it comes down to, and this is how you know I don't hate Funston. It, it comes down to is there, <laughs> I've it, been wondering that for years, so it's good to know yeah. you don't. <laughs> yeah, there, there's one percentage point difference between their target shares from last year, and the difference that comes down to is you could argue, and you did, and like I'm not going to say anybody's right or wrong on this, that, 
But the fact is Tyreek Real coming in versus the health and the additions and McKissick being one of the healthy slash not really of addition as much of as a return is McLaurin, as Funston said, has already had his bites at the apple the past two years, 130 so targets, 130 so targets. He's getting his share. I just don't see where it goes up from there. So what it comes down to is the quarterback play and sure, maybe a little bit more accurate, but I did the whole offseason article on the fact that Carson Wentz really isn't much of an upgrade from Tyler Haneke on a per like for a fancy purposes on performance of his players. The difference is very negligible. The biggest difference and the only factor here is touchdowns. So the only way I see you winning this, Beller, which is possible, I think we're all in agreement. It sounds like Beller and Funston are both saying the same thing, is that they're close. We're all in agreement that it's a very slim margin for these guys. But as you said, your point here, Beller, is that people have to make these decisions because of that. Is I think Waddle could be, as Funston said, the number one for the Dolphins. It wouldn't shock me. I still have Hill in front of him. But I think that world is there. We know what McLaurin is as the number one. I don't think there's much room for him to improve. So I have Waddle slightly in front of McLaurin, uh, but it, it, it's, the, it's the slim win for Funston on this one. Rodgers versus Prescott, Henry versus Mixon, Waddle versus McLaurin. These are the decisions that draft day are made of, and that's why we're going to be talking about this all through the summer on the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast that will do it, however, for this episode. Uh, in addition to the episode being out there, you can uh, follow along with the tweets, and we'll put, uh, we'll put some polls out there so you can vote on uh, who you think is the winner, not only of these debates, but who you would rather have in this quarterback battle, this running back battle, and this wide receiver battle. For Jacob Funston, I'm Michael Beller. Thanks so much for listening. Have yourselves a great weekend. We'll be back with you with a couple of episodes next week, and we'll talk to you then. See you.